The second lesson for today is from Romans chapter 7. This is going to serve as the basis for our meditation and sermon today. And here the Apostle Paul describes a very personal struggle that he has in his addiction with sin, which is no different than the struggle any of us has. But he highlights and emphasizes in a very powerful phrase, the thanksgiving to God, his thanksgiving to God for victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I do not understand what I do. And I might just highlight here that the NIV translation understand is probably better as acknowledge or embrace or approve. He does understand what's going on in his sinful life. He knows it's his sinful nature. He's explaining that here. But what he doesn't do is acknowledge or embrace it. He does not approve of himself when he does this. I do not approve what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I don't want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I don't want to do, It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Dear children of God, my brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of those readings, Romans chapter 7, that I picture almost better discussed one-to-one. It's just so personal. I could sit down with each one of you and talk about this section of Scripture one-to-one instead of kind of the the one-sided right sermon but it certainly is a personal thing for the apostle paul and he put it in a letter for a group as something of a, a uniting factor a uniting aspect of our christian faith is the fact that we all struggle with sin we all are addicts in a sense 
That's why it's called a sinful nature and not a sinful habit. That's why it's called a sinful nature and not a sing, uh, something that you can just do away with or grow out of and never have to deal with for the rest of your life. But what makes it as difficult as it is is the foundation we laid in this series of last week. We talked about our first love. And we talked, better yet, about the God who first loved us. And we put the two together. It's this beautiful harmony, God loving us. And, and the best version of me is the one that loves God first and loves him back and gives thanks to him in the way that I live and speak and think. And so that is a, an alignment of sorts that we see that I want to do what God would have me do and I don't want to do, I'm already in Romans 7 language, right? I don't want to do what God doesn't want me to do, right? Because that's my first love. It's my heart song. And this, this week introduces that wrinkle and it's worse than a wrinkle, that mess, that beautiful ideal of us being the bride of Christ and looking gorgeous and then you have the frustration of our sinfulness. You have the wrestling, the laboring, the weariness that is carrying through this life a body of sinful flesh. You and I share that. And there may be days we need to talk about this one-to-one just to set things clearly, as clearly as they are for the Apostle Paul. This is important because we are the very people who recognize the love of God that has buried our sins in our baptisms through Jesus, connected us to Jesus. Everything that connects us to Jesus makes us spotless, makes us holy in his sight. It washes away sin and it makes us perfect. And that's a powerful thing. That is the powerful thing in our lives. And we'll come back to that. But there are other power players. Just because you've bet you have salvation in Christ, just because he has given you his Holy Spirit that works faith and a new attitude about life that says no, to what God says and says yes to what God says to do, just because all of this work of God has been, we've been bathed in it, we've been birthed in it, just because that is true does not mean that we have kicked our sinful nature. It does not mean that we have been delivered in such a way as to be set free entirely from sin. But that day is coming. The day we die, the day we go to our Lord Jesus Christ, the day is the day we can lay aside all weapons of the fight of faith, all, all weapons of the struggle against this flesh and blood, this sinful nature, and, and be delivered from it. But until then, we have an, what I'm saying is we have another power. What the Apostle Paul is saying to you is, I recognize this law, this Thing, I can see a noticeable pattern in my thoughts and my words and my actions. That's just like a law for me. It's, a, it's like a powerful force, an operating thing. And that is that whenever I want to do God's good, which I want to do all the time, sin is right there with me. I see another will another power at work in me. And I'm not making excuses. I'm saying this is my 
reality. I don't do what I want to do. And the things that I hate, the things that I recognize cause pain and destruction and problems in life, it's just because God knew this in advance and he gave these commandments for blessing. When I don't follow these commands, when I don't do his will, I see this is sin. This is not just sin. This is harmful sin. And it hurts others and it hurts me. And I get frustrated that the things I hate I do. I do them. And you do too. The the important thing to recognize is there's a certain fellowship and bond that we all have as as sinful nature bearers in this life. That we all struggle with sin. I've seen it in my kids' faces I've seen as they get in trouble. I do not parent as one who is perfect, but I do parent imperfect children as imperfect as their father. They got it from me. And I had the chance to talk to them about sin and see the tears roll down their cheeks and just say, see how frustrated they are with themselves. That is the same thing that you and I have and it's not some lonely, dark corner where you are all alone, the only person who has those kinds of struggles. Listen, go back to this. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Go there when you are struggling and listen to one who says, I see this at work. I do not approve of myself. That is hard. That is frustrating. And it brings him to a place where he begins to use really good language about himself. And he says, um, I find this law at work. As whenever I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I have these opponents inside of me. I have this inner desire to do what is good, but I see this other law that wages war. What does he call it? He calls it a war. Does it feel like a war? He calls it a war. It is a war. I said, I have this evil right there with me, waging war against the law of my mind, against the spirit at work in me. And it makes me a prisoner. Oh, here I go again, doing the things that I do apart from God. This is my sinful nature. There it is. It's right there with me. Do you remember what uh, God said to Cain? Isn't it amazing how much happens in the early chapters of Scripture that cast the entire vision of this is the way life works, both the fullness of the fall and plunge into sin and all of its consequences, death, separation from God, and also the promise of a Savior. It's all there in the early chapters. And what does God do when Cain has committed murder? He has murdered his brother over a jealousy. Cain was a going-through-the-motions, offering-to-God kind of guy. His Heart wasn't for the Lord. And Abel was the opposite. He was expressing with thanksgiving and his offerings to God, his first fruits and his best. And Cain could tell the difference. And he murdered him. And God came up to Cain and he talked to him about it. Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? 
He's trying to kind of push distance himself. I don't have to know. Do I have to know? I don't have to know. I don't have to keep track of somebody. My, my brother's keeper distancing himself from his own behavior, his own actions. He doesn't, he doesn't dive into the honest truth of what he had done to his brother. And God said to him, do you see it? Sin is crouching at your door, Cain. And it desires to have you. Where was sin? It wasn't way over there in some like evildoer, wicked person. It was crouching at his door. And it's the same language that Paul is giving. Whenever I want to do what is good, sin is, what it, did you hear him say it? Sin is right there. It's right there. It's like at the ready to, to fill my mind with temptations to draw me to the thing I don't want to do, the things that I hate. It's not far away. It's not just in other people. Paul says, I struggle with this. I am frustrated by this. I am not winning this. And he says, sin is right there with me. I am its prisoner. And he has this expression that what is it like to hear this from the Apostle Paul? He says, what a wretched man I am. That's a Bible verse. Maybe it's not one we ask the kids to memorize, but it's important for you to know that it's Christian to recognize that frustration with yourself because of your sinfulness that says, what a wretched person I am. That's a Bible verse. And it's a thought, it's not something that just somebody else should have. Boy, aren't they wretched. It's something I know that you have about you. And it's why this sermon must be preached. It's why we are on the hunt for a resting place that I can never find. I am still carrying around this burden of my sinful nature. This evil is right there with me, loading me down, bearing weight on my shoulders and oppressing me. What am I to do? Who will deliver me? See how he's shackled by this. He says, who will deliver me from, who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? He talks about his body and death with this association. Who's going to separate the death that I deserve from me and my life? And now we get to hear the victory Thanks be to God. Do you see the about face? Do you hear it? Who will rescue me from this body of death, this burden he carries around? It's like he turns and he sees something entirely new and it's not the mirror of himself anymore, but it is the cross of Christ and the love of his God that sent his son to take away the sins of the world. And he looks at that cross and he says, but thanks be to God. He gives me the freedom. He gives me the resting place. It's called victory. Two, two lines ago we were saying this was a war. I am waging war and I do not win it. But God won it for me. And it comes rushing in as a substitute. It comes rushing in to take the place. It comes rushing in to be dominant. That's why he says it like this. He doesn't say, oh good, I have Jesus, but 
too bad. I'm stuck as a sinner and I'll never be worthy of him. And this is now the dominant theme of my life is that I'm a sinner and I'm never going to be like all those pretty little Christians sitting in the pews. That's not the frustrated life we have to live. This is not the frustrated way we think. We have a resting place in peace. The dominant one is where he turns, he struggles, he wrestles, he wages his war, and he turns back and says, but thanks be to God. And he chucks that sign. Ha, the weight is just, thanks, he gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. So you and I recognize I have an inner man. I love God and he loves me and I want to serve him, but I also have, look at that, evil right there with me all the time, leading me to do things I hate to do and not do the things I want to do. Look at that powerful evil, but which one wins? For Jesus' sake, I am given the victory. I do not live it out like I would like to, but it dominates. And on the last day, Jesus is going to call me his child. Jesus will give me his blessing and surround me with it for all eternity. That's victory. And it's a resting place. So you are going to struggle with sin, addict, today and tomorrow and for the rest of your life. But you are victorious, Christian. And know that your place is by Jesus because of the death he died and the life that he has to give. And it's yours. Thanks be to God. You might say, how could I ever be a neighbor, trustworthy? How could I ever be a worker, faithful, honest? When I want to cut corners all the time and all this evil, how could I ever be a loving spouse? How could I ever get rid of greed and jealousy and envy from my heart? How could I ever parent? How could I do it? Well, That's why we end up preaching two me's and one that dominates. (laughs) Tell your friends and you tell your coworkers and you tell your spouse and you tell your children, I will never be the perfect person in your life. But thanks be to God, there is a victory for me and there's one for you. And I've got a sermon I get to preach and I get to preach it often because I, I go through this struggle every single day. I get to preach it to you. And you get to preach it to me. And we get to proclaim the victory that is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do that, brothers and sisters, and set our hearts at rest in the presence of God forever. Amen.